It's been such a joy uh, to see God's hand on your lives as you've navigated some of the highs and the lows, difficult seasons, everything that life has thrown at you so far, and have committed to follow Jesus as Lord of your lives. Maybe you've been invited to come along this evening. I I wonder what you're thinking. We're going to spend some time now looking at at the Bible. I believe the Bible is God's words, that God is a speaking God, and that he has something to say to each one of us this evening, whether we would call ourselves a Christian or not. And in a moment or two, we're going to read from the Bible. But before that, I, I want to consider the question, I would love you to consider the question, what is your goal in life? What is your goal in life? We can have all sorts of of goals, aims, ambitions in life, can't we? And it's been interesting as we've read through the the testimonies, do take that booklet away away with you this evening and and read it and share it with others. Um, It's been interesting to hear something of, of what is what it's like for them before they trusted in Jesus, what their life was like before they became a Christian. Isaac wrote this. I always called myself a Christian without thinking that much into it. It somewhat shaped my opinion of the world around me, but I always did what I wanted. I had all the knowledge, but not a relationship with God. I would act like a Christian but only did that because of what I believed was morally right, rather than being due to a trust in Jesus. You know, I think for a lot of people in this world, that is their aim in this life. That is the ultimate goal, to live a good life, to be a good person, to do what we want to do, to live life our way. And yet the more we look at Jesus, this Middle Eastern carpenter's son who turned into a traveling preacher for three years, he was executed on a Roman cross as a rebel aged just 33. And now, even more than 2,000 years later, sees young people wanting to follow him. We cannot fail to be affected by some of the claims they make as we read their stories of God's work in their lives. The more we look at Jesus, the more we realize we're completely lost without him. We're going to read now from one of the most famous stories of all history. It's from Luke chapter 15 in the Bible, and it's often labeled as the prodigal son or the lost son. Listen as Ailey, who's one of our youth team, comes and reads that to us now. People at the back, there you go. (laughs) Um, Let's turn to God's word now. It's Luke chapter 15, verse 1 to 2, and 11 to 24. That's on page 1048 in the Bibles, if you've got one on the way in. That's Luke chapter 15. It's also on the screen if you want to read along. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering round to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Now to verse 11. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. 
the younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms round him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. The most famous story of all history. And look at who Jesus who's speaking to, look at who Jesus is speaking to here. It's not the kings and rulers, but tax collectors and sinners gathered around Jesus. The least, the last, and the lost. Jesus is talking to people who knew they were lost. People who had lost their way in life. We don't need to look far into the world at all to our streets, our homes, our schools, our universities to see people who have lost their way. And Jesus is talking to people who realize that they were lost. They knew they were lost. You know, it's an awful experience as a, as a child when you are lost, lost in the, the shop, lost in Legoland, lost in the crowds. Uh, you know, the most terrifying experience of my life was being lost in the women's wear section of Marks and Spencers. Yes, I was 31 at the time. No, really, but I did get lost. I remember being lost in M&S as a child. It was probably for five minutes, but it felt like an age. We know that, don't we? Being lost is, is scary. It's not where we want to be. Maybe you this evening feel that you've lost your way. You feel that others have lost patience with you, lost hope in you. Friends, God wants you. The homeless person begging it on the street in Market Square. The council worker stressed beyond belief next door. The millionaire facing bankruptcy. 
the anxious teenager invited to your mate's baptism. God wants you. He wants you. In his testimony, Josh wrote this. Secondary school introduced a lot more frequent sacrifices and trials that being a Christian required. It was impossible to completely fit in with the popular crowd and live a life giving full praise to God. I did not have a deep-rooted anchor in faith. Soon the label of a Christian just didn't seem worth it anymore. Yet over the next few years, I learned that the, the world is not a good place to build my life on. Friends and earthly idols will at some point let us all down. When we're feeling lost, we might, we might ask questions like that. Is this really worth it? Is the Christian life really worth it? Hold on to that thought as we look at our passage again this evening. What does a person who's lost say to his dad? What does a person who's lost say to God? Well, we see it there in verse 12. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Dad, I wish you and my brother were gone and that I could have everything I want. That's what he's saying, isn't it? I want my inheritance now. Can it be so? I want it all and I want it now. You know what I think one of the problems with people is? It's not that we live for today. It's that we live for tomorrow. If only I could have that thing today, then my life would be great tomorrow. If only I could have that perfect relationship, then I would be happy. If only I could get those grades, get onto that course, get that perfect house, get the bifold doors, the new Tesla. We're striving for better. I want tomorrow to be better. The father has the, the property, he's the farmer, he's probably quite wealthy, and so he divides it up between the two sons. Verse 13, not, after, not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. The son takes the money and runs. I love that word, squander. The parents in the room are quickly writing that one down. Next time you have a difficult conversation with your children, I'm going to use that fitting word here. He wastes his money. He wastes his life in wild living. He had all the drugs, all the drink. He throws money at his problems. Is he happy? Don't get me wrong, he's having the best time of his life. There is pleasure in sin, isn't there? It feels good. And he's loving it. Everyone loves the guy who buys the drinks. It's not hard to be the most popular guy in the room if you can throw money at everything. But the money soon dries up. Have you seen this in your life? Whenever you find that you have what you want, 
you realize that what you need is something different. You ask an addict what they want and they tell you the drug, the fix, the bottle. But what do they need? You can feel utterly hopeless when you have your own way. Sin leads to slavery and ultimately to death. And that's all around us even today. There's nothing new. The more you see in this celebrity culture is that that people who appear to have it all often feel the most lost. And so the fun son, the party man, he ends up feeding the pigs. We as a family have had some, some great holidays on the, the Norfolk coast in recent years. And one of the things you often notice is on the way to Norfolk is that there are a lot of pigs, a lot of pig farms. And as far as, as you go for a drive, you see the telltale style. The, the sign isn't that, that, that there, there aren't green fields full of grass. They're brown for all the mud. And they smell. Here is the sun. He's with the unclean, dirty. Now, there's a religious context that we don't have a lot of time to get into, but, but trust me, this isn't good news. He's with the lowest of the low, socially and religiously. He's feeding the pigs. He has squandered everything. And as he sits there in the squalor of the mud, He's desperately hungry. He longs for his stomach to be filled with something, even the pig's food. And as he sits there, he is all alone, and nobody cares. Nobody helps him. Nobody gives him anything. You know, life can be like that sometimes, can't it? For all of us, you can be surrounded by the most fun, most successful, most highly thought of people and feel more alone than you've ever felt before. Coming to our senses is realizing that before a holy God, we've missed the mark. We've fallen short. Luke writes about that in his testimony um, in the booklet this evening. I remember realizing for the first time that I was dependent on God and completely helpless without him. It was the first time that the truth of the gospel had really hit me. And I remember praying, asking God to forgive me for all that I'd done wrong and saying I would give my life to him As a sinful person, I owed God a greater debt than I could ever repay. But through the sacrifice of Jesus, I can be made right before God by repenting of my sin and trusting in him. You know, when we realize that we are a sinner before a holy God, that we've wandered away from God, We must never think that that we can somehow do something to make a peace with him. That we can somehow earn his favor, earn his forgiveness. No, he has met us in the mess. 
Christ has invited the lost people to come to him. Find forgiveness through his blood shed on the cross. And so in our story, the son recognizes he needs to return. Verse 18, I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Look at this for a picture of God. Maybe the most surprising picture of God and what he's like in the whole Bible. Look at what the father does. While the son is still a long way off, he runs to him. He wraps his arms around him. He kisses him. That's a picture of what God is like with us. His posture to the world is that his arms are open wide. Because our God is a God who longs for you, who loves you, who welcomes you. God doesn't need you to get it right. He wants you to realize that we got it wrong. He will make it right. The son has been practicing his speech. He says to his dad, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the dad says, stop the talk, son. Stop the speech. It's time to feast. Father, verse 22, said to his servants, quick, bring the robe, the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate If you want to come to God, even tonight, he'll welcome you. He'll put a ring on your finger. You know what that's an image of? Belonging. I have a, a ring on my finger because in the best way, I belong to my wife. Do I know it when I've got a list of jobs to do? I belong to my wife and she belongs to me. Maybe you think, how could I belong in heaven? How could I possibly belong in God's family? If only he knew what I was really like. Friends, he knows. And yet Jesus says, you still belong. My friend Steve used to work with people who had been recently uh, released from prison. And and one time he was working with these lads who who stole cars. That's what they did. Uh, They were quite well known in the community where they lived. Steve invited them to church and they came along. And one of the lads became a, a Christian. And a few weeks later, one of the ministers of the church invited Steve and the gang around to his house to have some dinner just before the, the church one Sunday evening. And they arrived at the house, and, and as they parked upside, one of them realized, awkwardly, in the back seat, oh no, not this house. Because unfortunately for him, a year earlier, he had stolen the car from this guy. Of all the houses, 
the church minister. They'd stolen his car. So they went sheepishly inside behind Steve, sat down. Steve had a a lovely time eating away from the food the church minister and his wife had provided. But the lad sat there. They didn't know what to say. Didn't eat hardly anything until it was time to go. And as they were heading out, Steve whispered in the ear of the church minister and said, did you know that these guys had stolen your car before you invited them for tea? The minister responded simply, of course, of course I did. I wanted them to know that they still belonged. Friends, the the beauty of God's goodness and his grace is Jesus' life was taken, sacrificed for us. This amazing love means that Jesus, he meets us where we are. He doesn't wait for us to clean our lives up before we come to him. As Jesus hung on the cross, all of our sin, every evil thought, words, and deeds, All of it was placed on him. He bore the agony of that punishment. The one who never did anything wrong took all our wrongs. Past, present, future. They were nailed to the cross so that we could stand forgiven. His posture to the world, his arms are open wide like the father running to meet the son even while he is far off. But maybe this evening you are holding back. Maybe you think, I cannot change. I've got problems, hurts, wounds. I've got doubts and questions. Maybe you think you do not need Jesus. You do. Maybe you think you're too young. Maybe you're holding back because your sins are many. We sing a simple song here at Cornerstone which says, our sins, they are many, but his mercy is more. His offer is for you. Jesus is for you if you want him. Katie shared, trusting God took a great weight off my shoulders. Because I no longer had to worry about my future, how my life was going to be. For I trust that God has a plan. No matter how lost we feel tonight, all our worries and cares and fears, God still has a plan. As we close, I'm going to show you a picture. I love this image. Taken a few years ago. Um, after the England final against Italy in the Euros. Uh, Some of us remember it. Some of us wish we couldn't remember it. Um, Saka, he's just missed that crucial penalty that England needed. And the manager, Gareth Southgate, he knows just what it feels like to be in that situation. He comforts and embraces him. One writer who commented on this photo put it beautifully when she wrote this. I wonder if there is any image more beautiful than the embrace of the one who trains, equips, releases you, and when you fail, still embraces you 
reminds you that your value comes from who you are, not from what you did. God wants you. Despite who we are, despite what we've done, he longs for you, he loves you, and he welcomes you. Another verse later in the New Testament says this, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. Friends, let's pray. I'm going to say a a prayer this evening, which is a prayer of, of commitment to following God. Maybe even this evening, you have sensed a kind of pulling, a tapping on your heart. Maybe you know that you need to accept this welcome that God the Father has sent to you through Jesus to come and to follow him. If you'd like to make this prayer your prayer, do say these words in the quietness of your heart. God, I have wandered from you. Thank you that you still welcome me home. Thank you for Jesus, that he offers me life through his death and hope through his resurrection. Please help me live my life for him. Amen.